listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. You are listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the 2nd to the 6th of May. Uh, highlights this week include more discussion about shapes <laughs> and whether the new recipe is good or not and why it came about. We actually had a call from an insider, fascinating stuff. Also, uh, we had relationship advice from the comedian and crooner Oliver Clark. Casey Benetto came in to talk about composing the music for the musical documentary Prison Songs. It's really quite something. And we talked about our guilty pleasures, mostly music and television, a little bit less salacious than it actually sounds. <laughs> oh, it's pretty salacious, Jeff. <laughs> so that song is um, a real shame of mine because it's my guilty pleasure song. It's it's quite embarrassing because there was nothing cool about Len. They released this one crappy song with a terrible film clip. Um, and But when I get a little bit drunk and I'm at parties... I request Steal My Sunshine by Len. And to a point where I was at a house party one night and the DJ happened to have it and I was like, Len, Steal My Sunshine. He played it. <laughs> How did you say it? I went, Len, Steal My Sunshine. And he goes, which is what exactly what I sound like when I'm drunk. And he goes, he had it, so he plays it. Might I add, the party goes off. So I'm not the only one who thinks it has a secret spot for Len, Steal My Sunshine. Um, and then I kept going up, though, going, Len, Steal My Sunshine during the night. And then he, at the point he goes, if you say that one more time to me, you're going to have to leave this party. And I was like, oh, sorry. But, it sounds like you've got a bit of a problem. <laughs> no, I'm just really, yeah. So, but the point is, I was having this conversation with friends the other day, like, what is it, like, about guilty pleasure songs? Mm. Like, these songs, like, oh, I would never include that on, like, Sarah's favourite songs ever or like you totally know what I mean? gonna get you drunk it. at the next triple R. Oh party. my god, I had a DJ just lend <laughs> still my sunshine back to that. <laughs> um but like do you have a guilty pleasure? Uh oh, I'm just wondering how far to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> um what well, I mean, I feel that way about Ant Music, the Adam and Ansel. I just think that's such a good song. That is like a common... But a lot of people... I don't think there's anything to be guilty yeah. about. Adam and the Ants were like... I don't think yeah. you need to feel guilty about any of your chong, song choices. No. What, what about some TV shows? Do you think you feel what? guilty about them? Oh. No. No. What do you no. feel guilty about? What do you feel about? guilty about? The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, you should feel guilty Ed, about that. Jeff Sparrow, I've got to tell you. <laughs> I've watched every single episode. I've got oh them all. I've, I've downloaded a whole lot of them off TV know. and watched them. Okay, you know what? No. Geraldine, take that back. Take that back, Jeff. This is a setup. You tell me not to feel guilty. I don't now know. you're shaming me. I don't know if I can work. TV shaming. I don't know if I can work with you anymore. <laughs> it's funny. No? Is it? It's, it's, it's funny. You know what? It's funny. No. <laughs> No, it's not. It is funny. <laughs> no, it's I not. Mean, songs. It's an oddball comedy. Yeah. <laughs> an oddball comedy. Oh, I, I, told, I didn't make fun of your terrible song. <laughs> no, no, no. At least well, I don't request it at parties. <laughs> well, or do you? Big <laughs> <laughs> Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Sorry. Tell us, no, well, sell it to me. I've never watched it. Actually, I've, I've watched a little bit and groaned. But, um, it's a clash of cultures, you see, because... Is it? Because there's nerds and then there's a hot blonde girl who dates the nerds. That's what I gather from the... Yeah. That's pretty much it, actually. <laughs> and why is it funny? What's funny? Is it the writing? Is it the characters? I don't is think I the... can explain it to you. Either, either you get it or you don't. Yeah. It's quite sophisticated. Do you have... <laughs> just like Adam and the Ants. Is it sophisticated or is it just the generic kind of middle of the road? Oh, look, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's funny. 
Oh, Jeff Sparrow. There goes every last <laughs> ounce of oh, Hang on, Geraldine. You haven't said yeah, yours. you haven't. I don't have any guilty pleasures at well, all. Well, do you have a song, though, that you... That there's something oh, that you man. like that you'd be like, oh, maybe I wouldn't, like, shout that out if people said that's what's your favourite song? Man, I have many. Like, I'm a, I am... I love... I love a bit of T-Swizzle. I love Katy Perry. I love all... All of them. All the, And I do not feel guilty about it at Good. all. Good. Because... There's nothing to feel guilty about. Exactly. Do you know what made me so, th- Hang on. There's nothing for anyone else to feel guilty <laughs> no. about. I'm the only one who has Jeff, to feel guilty. To be fair, <laughs> we weren't expecting it to be that embarrassing. <laughs> but no, you know, don't feel guilty I about don't it. Feel That's guilty. Do you know yeah. what made me think of this? So yesterday there was this big festival announced that was um it's like all these old um rockers. Like it's Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Roger Waters and the like Who. It's the ultimate it's day a- on the grain. <laughs> It actually is in California. So it's kind of like the the old person's Coachella and, you know, there's like a lot of those dead set legendary acts. But I was thinking about how kind of uncool it was for a while to like Paul McCartney. He was always like the nerdy Beatle, like John was. was the cool one. And I was thinking about how much I love the song Maybe I'm Amazed. And it's like... Oh, like I feel like it's I still... I don't even know if I can still own it because I just feel like it's one of those tracks where you can't like... I don't know. It's like I can't yet put it into a set when I'm when I'm DJing or whatever and kind of get away with it um, without people going, I don't know if I like this song. Yeah, so, but if we have a conversation gun. about guilty pleasures, then... Yeah, but it's not, I shouldn't be guilty about it because he's a brilliant songwriter, yeah. obviously. It goes without saying. And I also thought... I was thinking of Paul Mac yesterday. I thought, you know what? I want to play. Maybe I'm amazed. Yeah. So I'm going oh, to. That's where this is all yeah. going to lead. So I'm going to talk about all my guilty pleasures <laughs> just so I can play. Maybe I'm amazed on Triple R. Love some old white men. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Three Triple R. We get quite a few emails for various different things. Uh, we do. We, however, we did receive an email seeking some relationship advice and I thought we're not equipped to deal with <laughs> no, that kind of email. we certainly are not. We'd be the worst people <laughs> to ask. So I thought, I thought about it long and hard and I went, do you know who would be perfect? It would be the comedian and crooner and very good friend of mine, uh, the, the Mr Oliver Clark. Why, thank you so much. What a treat to be here. I thought I was going to have a sting, some musical sting for oh, me. No, 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 I'm kidding. I didn't think that at all. No. Oh, I could, well, we'll work on that no, that's um, all right. for another time. Anyway, can I, so I would just read out this email and hopefully you'd be able to help this person out. Well, I really do hope so. Mm. I've got plenty of advice to give. <laughs> so, dear breakfasters, um, I've been a big fan of yours for quite some time now. Oh. Very good. Oh, I like Very the sound of this letter. Mm. And really enjoying waking up with you in my year every morning. <laughs> my Interesting. Only, my only objection of the show is that you do not play enough Tom Jones. Is wow. That right? That's oh. a fair objection. Yeah. We get that a lot. Yeah, true. The reason I write you this email is because... Recently, I've come to the realisation that I'm no longer crazy about being in a relationship with my current boyfriend. Mm. We argue, bicker, pull each other's hair and sometimes even tickle each other until it's borderline abuse. There is no question that this relationship needs to end as it's become extremely boring, bland and mundane. Much like his cooking. Needless to say, (laughs) it's been lacking the spice. A little brutal. Mm. I'm not looking for you to save my relationship as I'm intending on ending it. He's a real jerk. (laughs) However, I am unsure how to do it. It would be easier for me to simply break it off with him, but I'm afraid of coming out 
coming out of it looking like a bad girl. Is there... Oh, a bad guy <laughs> slash girl. Right, yes, yeah, sorry. Is there any way of breaking off a relationship without having them get angry at me, hating me and spreading vicious rumours about my indecent intimate relationships with my sister? Forever yours, Mrs. <laughs> Good Time Listener. Very specific. Yeah. Uh, very, very specific. That, that a head runs straight to that. Yeah. <laughs> Intriguing, to say the least. That's a long email. It is a long email. I'm glad it's... they spent the time to write that into you guys. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, I have some opinions on this, as you yes. can imagine. Um, advice as well. Advice, probably. yeah, advice uh, to give to, uh, who was it? Mrs. Mrs. Good Time, Good time Listener. Listener. Oh, Good wow. <laughs> Mrs. Good Time Listener. Uh, well, first of all, uh, obviously, there are a few ways of breaking up with people. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't want to be the uh, the bad guy or the bad girl, yeah. uh, so she doesn't want to break it off. Obviously, straight away, that way she'll be in the uh, you know that category of being the bad girl. Uh, what are the other ways you've got? Uh, well, the way I would consider, I'd, I would go the self sabotage. Oh, yeah, that's sabotaging the relationship. How do you do that? Well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> Because this is where I introduce the Oliver Clark 10 steps to sabotaging a relationship. <clears throat> the first, uh, first step is, is a pretty obvious one, and uh, but sometimes, you know, you need to state the obvious. It's uh, cut off the sex. Right. Oh. Exactly. But this is with a twist. You don't want to tell them that you're cutting the sex off. It has to be their decision to cut off the sex. So how do you do this? Introducing step two. <laughs> Stop showering. Oh. Oh, that would do it. Right? Just little subtle things. You want to get them physically repulsed. That would cut off a few things in your life. You could cut off... It would. It would indeed. Step three. uh, Reusing underwear more than several times. Now, they might not necessarily see this, so you'd have to make it obvious to them. I'm sure Um, they would be aware. I guess they could be aware, but it's also good if you just leave it around the house, maybe on a cat, something, you know, (laughs) something that's going to advertise the fact that you're reusing uh, underwear a fair bit. Uh, Once again, sticking with the uh, the whole, you know, repulsion, you want to be as repulsive as possible uh, to your partner. Mm. Uh, Number uh, step four. uh, Wear his clothes, which is, you know, obviously a cute thing a lot of the time. Uh, in a relationship, but I go that extra step further and uh, on the same lines as step two and step three, re, you know, wear his clothes as underwear. Oh. oh. Yeah, so fashion them into oh. uh, whatever underwear you can uh, and then also reuse for several days and leave them on the cat. That's a lovely image. There's a few lovely images there. It's good, isn't it? I don't think he's going to be too happy with that. Uh, step five. We move straight on to step five. Use your pets as underwear. <laughs> See, you've done this before. <laughs> if you don't want to go to that extreme, obviously you just use your cat as a napkin to mop your face with. But, um, you know, okay, we go straight to step six. Uh, leave the uh, door open, obviously, when sitting on the toilet. Because, you know, some couples don't dig the, yeah, the leaving the door open. Yeah, that breaks the romance. Right? It breaks oh. the romance. But go that extra step further and invite them in after to take a look at you. You know, be proud of your poo. Uh, I don't think that's going to get them on your side for sex, that's for sure. Uh, now, step seven, we sort of uh, change tact here. We go on a different angle than, you know, trying to get them physically repulsed by you. It's about not making any future plans with them. Oh. Mm. Yeah, you know, like be as non-committal as possible 
even for the day-to-day things, specifically the day-to-day things. So if they say, hey, honey, uh, I'd love to go to the supermarket, pick up some stuff for a, a casserole or a, a beef stroganoff, you'd say, oh, oh, maybe not now. You know, like, just little things like that. Just always keep them hanging. Don't commit. Uh, let's see, moving on to step eight. Break as many promises as possible. Now, this would imply that you have committed to something along the line, but these are more the long-term, uh, the long-term steps, you know. Um, so as, as opposed to step six, was it, that was... Uh, oh no, step seven, that was the immediate ones with the supermarket and the casserole, as I'm sure you remember I just talked about. <laughs> this one is more... Uh, <laughs> Just the long-term goals. You know, sort of say, yes, honey, I'd love to go on a trip to uh, Bangladesh. And then suddenly it comes round, you haven't booked tickets, and he's going, honey, are we still going to Bangladesh? And you'd be like, well, I'd love to, but I just can't commit right now. And so that's the thing. Obviously get them offside. Start having them question, you know, your commitment to the whole whole, uh, relationship. Which brings me uh, to step nine. Stop loving your pet. (laughs) What? Yeah, because this will show that you are completely incapable of loving anything. If you can't love your sweet, adorable cat, what can you love? Well, that's true. So true. Right. But that and that's you've got to be cruel to be kind. And this is hard because you don't want to be, you know, cruel to your pets. No. Let alone run over them. You know. (laughs) You don't want to go to that that's cruelly to animals quite clearly. And you don't want to do that just to get out of a relationship. So stop loving your pets. Um, <clears throat> that was, that'll be a big thing. Step ten. Uh, last step. Yeah. Last step. This is the final step. Um, and this is definitely one of the bigger ones because you need to plant this seed fairly early on, I guess. Oh. I don't know why it's down at step ten. I wrote it that way. But probably you should start off with this even. <laughs> at really early stages. Introduce them to someone that you think they find sexually attractive. <laughs> Then you know maybe I try and set them up with somebody set else. Set them up, you know, oh. so that like has pass them off. Similar, yeah, pa- pass them off. Similar interests as them, and and in the conversation when you're together, you're talking. Slip in the fact that they change their underwear daily, uh-huh. like they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> What? You change your underwear on a daily basis? <laughs> She's crazy. And then they can kind of have an in-joke laugh together, like, I'm crazy, you know? Well, that would be quite a bonding, wouldn't it? It really would yeah. be, yeah. So plant that seed and they'll start thinking about that person and hopefully eventually uh, call it off with you. I, f- I feel that y- it might work at, what was it step five where you use your... Cat as underwear? Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it might work at step one. It's true. So you reckon just uh, one step plan? Yeah. (laughs) Step one. Use your pets as underwear. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the name of our um, correspondent? Mrs. Good Time Listener. Uh, I think this is some sound advice from Mrs. Good Time Listener. I really hope the 10 step plan works. I hope so too. I'd like to hear back from Mrs. Good Time Listener (laughs) and see how successful she is. That would be great. Uh, Implementing that. Oliver, thanks so much for coming in and giving that relationship advice. I'm sure it was very helpful, Mrs. Good Time Listener. Straight out of the blue, too. Yes. You (laughs) called me up yesterday and I was like, well, I'll come in for sure. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 RRR in Melbourne, Australia. Casey Benetto is a writer, musician and radio broadcaster. He's also the composer for the film Prison Songs, which is screening this Friday at Acme as part of the Human Rights Arts and Film Festival. Welcome to Breakfasters. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Apologies to regular Triple R listeners because I've, I've not been off air here for, what, ten and a half hours since oh, yeah. Floaty finished last night. You've shifted studios, though, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah it Although. feels good over here. Yeah. Everything's lighter and more luxurious. Yeah, yeah. It's got a window. Yeah. A special yeah. studio awesome. for us. So, Prison Songs, this is a musical documentary about Berrimah Prison in the Northern Territory. I had never seen a musical documentary before, and I suspect probably others haven't, so... I, just I guess the question is, do you want to see one again? <laughs> but, uh, I thought it was absolutely fascinating, but maybe just give the listeners an idea what some kind of movie it is. Yeah, it's interesting because I think when folks hear musical and documentary together, they expect it's going to be a documentary about a musical. Uh, this is Not this so is, much. This is kind of the reverse. This is uh, prisoners from Berrimah Prison in the Northern Territory being interviewed about uh, their life experiences, not, not necessarily the crimes that got them into jail, but their life experiences. Uh, and then some aspect of those life experiences being turned into songs and the prisoners themselves actually singing their songs uh, in the prison. So it's, uh, it's, it's based on the work of Brian Hill, who did a lot of... Um, or did a couple of these in the UK. Uh, Feltham Sings was one of them. And uh, oh. uh, they, were, they, they received some attention, but nothing like it had been done in Australia. And uh, there, was, there was some interest... From, from various parties in, in making it happen. But I, I felt very much... Sorry, I'm just, I'm just no, barrelling ahead. No, this is wonderful. <laughs> Barrel away. I, I felt very much like a fish out of water because I got called into the project and uh, Shelley Morris, the, the Indigenous uh, Northern Territory composer, was working on it. Uh, Kelrick Martin was directing and all that sort of stuff. And, and these are names that, are, that, that carry some weight in the Indigenous community and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was like, we want you to come on this... And work as well, and and you know, with Shelley, compose the songs for the for the prisoners. It's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm going to be putting words into the mouth of indige- incarcerated Indigenous Australia. Okay, so, I can't think of a more authentic person to ask. <laughs> so, how did you go about doing that? I mean, as you say in the documentary, people are singing about all sorts of themes: yes. alcoholism, domestic violence so on and so forth. Did they write the lyrics, then you wrote the songs, or what was the process? No, what, what would happen is that we got the transcripts of their interviews and went through them, and Shelley and I went through them. We were sort of being delivered them. We had a week to write the songs, so it wow. was a very uh, quick process. But Shelley and I were being delivered the transcripts of their interviews as, as Kelrick did them up in the Northern Territory. Uh, we were delivered them down here in Melbourne, and we would look, sort of go through them with the markers, with the highlight markers, and go, oh, what that... That seems well, there's resonant. a song in there. There's a song in there. It really was, and and you had to, uh, in a way, divorce yourself from the the acquisitory um, uh, um, sort of nature of. Uh, let me just pour over your life's details and say that's a song, you know. Yeah. But there were several themes like domestic violence, uh, like alcoholism, and all that sort of stuff that were popping up so many times in each of the different songs that you were just looking for someone to encapsulate it with a particular turn of phrase and you would occasionally go, oh, that, that the way they've said that is, is, should be expressed in a song because it's an emotional engagement. Anytime someone had a particular emotional engagement with the issue that's in the traditional musical, that's when someone breaks into song, when they've got something emotionally to say. And there's different styles of song, you know, there's, there's rap and there's, like, other things. How did you decide what you were going to allocate to each person's story in terms of style? Well, the first thing was, I think, to, to stay away from uh, the styles that were always used. I mean, they, they were very much um, uh, putting their hand up at the beginning and going, um, OK, not saltwater reggae. 
<laughs> let's, let's avoid saltwater reggae because every two out of every three indigenous songs that are in a modern you know context appear to be saltwater reggae. So let's stay away from that. Um, so as we went through, we were sort of looking for okay, what what uh, what emotion does this you know this particular song? If someone's going to be uh, sort of angry and outside society and singing a, a ballad about you know I'm I'm doing the white man's time here I am in you know. Uh, a black man in Australia doing white man's time for a crime that I've already done the the black man's time for, then that that to me sounds like a sort of a defiant frontiersman. That sounds like Johnny Cash. So you go let let's go for a, a Cash esque sort of feeling. Uh, in another case, you 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 want to do celebration of alcohol. Um, because you know, we really did want to do it. We didn't want to make a, a song that was just like, alcohol, oh, how horrible it is. <laughs> yeah. how hor because, you know, it would be enormously hypocritical to do that and then settle back with a nice beer at the end of the day's work <laughs> and say, ah, good song. So we wanted to do a song that said, oh, alcohol, it's great and horrible, you know. Uh, and that seemed like Norlands was the appropriate direction yeah. to go for that, have one of those rolling sort of southern grooves. The thing that struck me most about the film, I guess, is how involved the prisoners were. Like, I've never seen or heard of something like this where prisoners are openly like, yeah, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll do an interview and then I'll sing, and sing a song and dance and stuff. How on earth did you get... And were there prisoners that, you know, you sent the song off to them and, and it came back and went, no, nah, we're not doing that, that's crap? Or we, we didn't actually get that in, in any of the songs, but that... I must say all of that was the very hard work of Kelrick and Shelley in the prison. Um, Shelley had done sort of outreach work in Berrimah Prison for a long time beforehand, I think, so had so a relationship with some of the prisoners yeah. and, they, and knew that some of them could sing and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and Kelrick also went in, did a lot of hand-holding and a lot of, OK... There were folks who, who were interviewed and then dropped out of the process and... and uh, but but no one who was presented with the song, thankfully, came back and went, Because the, the project took years. It did. did. It, like, it took, like, over four years of negotiating. Like, I know it was negotiating getting access to to the prison and whatnot, so... That was Harry Bardwell was the producer, and, and yes, that took a long, long time to find a prison that would, would, that would let them do it. They, they did look at a few different prisons, but... Um, they sort of got lucky with Berrimah, really, that Berrimah were interested in doing it and that, that, um, that they were interested in sort of taking a chance on it. The yeah. thing that really jumped out at me watching the film was, and you touched on this before, but the extraordinary rate of Indigenous incarceration. I think that in the film the, the statistic is 80% of the prisoners in Berrimah are Indigenous and at one point it's claimed 98% of people in juvenile custody in the Northern Territory are Indigenous. 98%. It's extraordinary. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame. It's a national shame and it's, and, it's, and it's impossible. It's one of those problems that feels impossible to unpick because it's so societally ingrained, particularly up there, um, as a, the way of dealing with the problem. That's what we're going to do and this is... The statistic, which I have been bandying about uh, without necessarily investigating its its <laughs> um, its uh, verisimilitude, is that uh, that I was told up there by several people though that ninety percent of uh, Indigenous Australians in the Northern Territory have either been in Berrimah Prison or have a direct relative who's been in Berrimah Prison, um, 
at, at which I was I was sort of, oh, 19%, that's awful. They went, no, no, I said 90. Yeah, that's flabbergasting. Um, yeah, like, which is at, at, at that level it's, it's sort of, it's hard to envision how that problem can be solved. Um, I, I understand that the um, the hands thrown in the air on all sides when when, mm. when dealing with that kind of phenomenon because mm-hmm. the the people in your film it seemed to me that they were in some ways exposing themselves quite a lot. Yeah, both from what they say, what what they said, but also how they say it. Like Geraldine said, that they're mm. singing and they're dancing. What was their reaction? Have they seen? Have any of them seen the film? Yes, the film was, Well, the film the I think the film had its premiere in the prison. Oh, movie played, night. Yeah, movie <laughs> night for the prisoners. Uh, which was, by all reports, a, a sort of a joyous occasion, and everyone said, uh, because I mean, so many of those experiences are shared that I think uh, some of those things that feel incredibly exposing to us are, are, are sort of accepted common experience in the Northern Territory for for a lot of those prisoners. That they're, they're they're sort of uh, no, that's just that's just the way our society works. The the one I was talking about, the the um, guy who had committed awful crimes. It must be said, like. Uh, and had been punished under black law and then had to be punished under white law as well um, and really, really found himself in, in you know, di- there's, there's, yeah, there's just a, there's, there's no way of unpicking that but that problem is one that is well understood, I think, by the Indigenous population of the Northern Territory, whether they've been inside that prison or not. Right, recording songs or singing is um, intimidating at the best of times when you are a musician and you are a singer. Were you involved in the process of the recording of the songs in any way to see how the prisoners kind of responded to that? I kept as enormous a distance as I could. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the other side of the country being as pasty and white as possible <laughs> uh, while Shelley got in and, and, and did the hard work. Shelley yeah. was she was up there working through the um, recording experience and through the filming experience with the prisoners alongside Kelrick because, uh, yeah, there's, there's no advantage to, uh, especially folks who are exposing themselves that much and singing about that kind of stuff, there's no advantage to having this, this you know, fat white guy from Melbourne come in the room and go, no, don't do it like that. <laughs> so it would have been just, you know, unleashing a nuclear device in the middle of the recording process. Uh, the film screening, as we said, part of the Human Rights Arts and Film Festival this Friday at Acme and the, there's going to be a Q&A, is that...? There's a Q&A after the film and uh, Kelrick's definitely there and, and I'm there. Uh, I think Shelley's in the Northern Territory at the moment so uh, she's not there but... Um, uh, yeah, it should be good fun. We'll talk about different aspects of it and uh, aspects of the writing and all that sort of stuff. As I said, it's called Prison Songs. You've probably never seen a film quite like it before. We've been talking to the composer for the film, Casey Benedo. Thanks so much for coming. That's all right, Jeff. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> You're on Triple R. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. Hey, guys, the other day I was in the supermarket mm-hmm. and I found myself thinking about you two. Mm, Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I love your reaction. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've got nowhere to go. Well, actually, I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about shapes because last week we were... Um, we were discussing Arnott's shapes and the fact that they've changed their flavour. Yes, and, and we had some very angry callers. Very, people are very angry, yes. very angry. Anyway, I thought I'd buy some of the shapes and bring them in. Yes. So I and can we... get your assessment on the comparison of the old shapes and the new shapes. All right, here's, I'm just going to put it out there. 
and say that you've bought you haven't bought the right shapes. I've bought the okay. right shapes. No, yeah. no, no, he no hasn't. the biscuit is the same as the new biscuit. We have. No. It is the new biscuit. No. It is. Is it? No. It is 100% because my friend was eating me the other day. That biscuit is the same as the new biscuit. What 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 was your friend eating the other day? The new shapes. You, Jeff, you've brought in a shape extreme, right? There are different ranges of shapes. It's right? limited edition. There's yeah, yeah. Listen, there's shapes, right? There's like your original shapes. There's barbecue, cheddar, cheese, and yes. bacon, all that kind of the stuff. Flavor, but then is extreme. But then there are variations <laughs> on, on just, shapes, right? <laughs> the flavor so is extreme. <laughs> you've got a light and crispy, right? Right. That's a different type but, of shape but altogether. The actual biscuit, the actual texture of the biscuit, which is the thing people are complaining about, is the same. Are you sure? What, what was, I'm 100% what flavor, sure. What flavour was your friend oh, eating? I don't know, barbecue day? or some crap. But it's exactly the same texture of the biscuit. We're not. It, so, so what he's brought in is the same biscuit base that all the new shapes have. I'm not convinced. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> we have the, the savoury shapes. These ones are the traditional ones, yeah? Yeah, they're traditional. Yeah, the OG. And we have... <laughs> <laughs> We have the Shapes Extreme Mega Cheeseburger. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is they are delicious. Right? They are delicious. And I'm a fan of the texture. And I am a fan of the texture as well. So I think all these people are complaining about the shapes are maybe... Crybabies. Maybe crybabies. Maybe, but I don't think we can comment yet. I think we need to get the real thing in. But also I have been on the Arnett's Facebook page. Not, so not the fa- their, My their, their website. My favourite place time at the moment is Yana's Facebook page. <laughs> it is pretty good. Um, but no, I was on their just their normal uh, website and they said that the barbecue shapes uh, are still available in the original flavour. Oh. So you don't have to. They've got both of them on the shelves. Hey, we've got someone calling in. Do you reckon they're ringing in about? Um, I hope so. Should we just try? Let's just find try, it. Yeah. You could, could just be someone ringing in to say hi. <laughs> Um, hello, you're live on Triple R. How are you going? Hey, I used to work for Arnett. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. This is why you're ringing us. <laughs> what have so you what's heard? the story? Um, I agree that there are two different types of biscuits. Thank you. Number one. And number two, the whole reason for changing this is a thing called value engineering. Oh. What is that? Which means that they're, they're trying to take cost out of the product, basically. Oh. So what's that mean? So how are they taking means, costs out of the product? Uh, by changing the recipe or the flavour variations, etc., so that they can make more money. Oh. Well, so there's now less variation. Is that what you mean? No, no. They'll, they'll just try and take costs out of the recipe so that the flavour that they put in the market is the same but it actually costs less to make. Because I, I had a friend who had a theory that this whole thing is a PR stunt, so they kind of knew that the public would react really badly and remind everyone about how much they loved the original recipe and then they'd be like, original recipe's back. Is that not going to happen then? Um, possibly if that happens, but I, I would be pretty certain that the reason that they're doing it is so that they can take cost out of out of the product and yeah. make more money. Oh, that is Sorry. fascinating. Did no. you have any opinions on the new flavour yourself? What's that, sorry? Do you have any opinions on the new flavour yourself? I haven't actually tried them. I don't actually eat shapes anymore. I'm only going off what I know from working, working there a long there. time ago. Oh. Yeah. Do you not eat them because you just ate so many when you worked there because you got them for free? Yeah, there's a bit of that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for ringing up. I appreciate that. No worries. See you, mate. Have a good day.
Wow. That was like the most That's valuable it. call we've ever received <laughs> in the industry. And not that we don't like all the other no, calls. I, I, no, I know. <laughs> say, oh, I don't like you other idiots who no, ring up. No, no, Well, look, look, he, he made more sense than me is what I'm trying to say. Um, no, I love everyone that rings up. But that, like, that, that was just, I just can't believe we've got someone that rang, worked for Arnott's. Yeah. That's pretty. I understand what he's saying, though. Yeah, but they did say on on their website, did say if change isn't your thing and more intense flavours not for you, then Australia's most loved variety, original barbecue, remains on shelf in its original packaging. Look out for the original flavour marker on pack. But what about the original pizza flavour? Yeah, like people the... seem particularly upset about it. But so maybe we've got to get the new well, maybe, pizza um, recipe. Maybe I can one of you guys, if you're oh, familiar with the... Oh, get on to it, mate. Yeah. I'll bring okay. him in tomorrow. I've got to say, I feel a bit <laughs> sick now after eating I know, so many I actually <laughs> suspect that you just brought these in for, as an excuse to eat an no, entire packet a of shakes. Pro man. tip, don't eat them just before you read the news either. Triple R. For complete access to the Triple R archives, which include over 100 interviews, live-to-air performances, documentaries and other Triple R specials, become a subscriber via the link on our website. Thanks for listening to Triple R.